Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Plugged in, plugged in, plugged in. Back and in business. Nick Gray. Drake Hills. Yes, sir. Yes, of course. Plugged in National Soccer Podcast. It has been too long, my friend. It has been precisely 20 days since the last time we recorded a podcast. And in fact, it's been so long. Akeloba, obviously the club record center forward. Our last episode was in reaction to his signing. He has since debuted and he's also made his home debut uh, in two consecutive matches for Nashville SC. So we got a lot of catching up to do, but it's not going to be a whole lot of just, uh, shall we say, shucking and jiving. It'll Uh, be it'll be a uh, supporter involved episode. uh, Yeah. Carrying the mailbag here, Drake. It's full. It is full. full. This is the overflow. Okay. The the if you want to see the premiere questions that I picked uh, to answer, uh, that is on Tennessean.com slash Nashville SC. Okay, so obviously on this episode, as you mentioned, Nick Gray, this is the mailbag. But if you want to see the top questions that I picked from this mailbag, you can go on to Tennessean.com slash Nashville SC. It is there. We picked about a good, I want to say, five to seven questions. We talked about Rodrigo Piero. We talked about Jean Cadiz. We talked about potential players that would possibly spring forth as starters in August and September. We also talked about some players uh, that could earn some playing time, not just temporarily, but for the rest of the season, should they continue to perform the way they have been performing over the past couple of weeks. i.e. Jalil Alibaba. So that was then. This is now. This is the overflow. Plugged in a National Soccer Podcast. Welcome to you. Um, Nick Gray, should we just get into these questions? I don't think there is much else that we need to talk about. Yep, and I'm opening up the first slider here in the mailbag. All right. The first one from Cavante Chillis. He asked Drake Hills, but for real, can this level of success – be sustained on the road. Ah, yes. Chill us. We stay in chill on Nashville SC. Tell them to chill on us after it's been seven matches unbeaten. I yes. am sure for Nashville SC. And you've got some 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 doozies, right? You've got some score lines that probably jumped off the page, i.e. 5-1 over Chicago Fire at home. A red card for for Yohan Kapelhoff that really set the fire. Quarter of an hour in, yeah. It set Chicago on fire. And you had a situation where uh, not only does Hani Mukhtar score a hat trick, but he gets the fastest hat trick from the start, and uh, which was 16 minutes, by the way. But also, he 
is the second quickest in terms of an interval in which you score goals one through three. He is the second quickest to do so. I believe it was six minutes. Uh, the quickest was five minutes. So Hani Mukhtar shines uh, in that match. And then you've got uh, you you handle your rivals three nil over FC Cincinnati. You are you know doing pretty well, right? You've got what's what were you going to say? I was going to say three wins and two lo- two draws in the month of July, which was to me at least looking at it beforehand looked to be a, the more most difficult of the the months so far for Nashville SC. And look at them; they vaulted up from mid table to second place. Yeah, they're in second impressive. place. They in the were Conference. able to hold up a 2-2 draw over Atlanta, which they felt they should have won. But that was one of uh, Gabriel Heinze's final matches. Not his legitimate final match, but one of his final matches uh, as Atlanta United manager. But, yeah, Cavante, I say the level of success that Nashville sustained over the past, shall we say, uh, seven Seven, eight matches. Obviously, they go into this second phase of the season having lost to New York Red Bulls, but they bounce back. They've remained unbeaten since then. And I think it's fair to say that they will continue putting up positive results from month to month. If we talk about this next phase of August and September, you've got a total of 12 matches across those two months. That's a lot of minutes. It's a lot of bodies taking up a lot of wear and tear. So, do I think that they're going to remain unbeaten? No. But I will say that they will keep, I think, a one and a half points per game average over those two months. And what it's going to take is a healthy Walker Zimmerman returning sooner rather than later, as well as an Anibal Godoy. But it will also take uh, once, you know, keep in mind, because you got guys out. You have Dan Lovitz, as we know currently in health and safety protocols, along with Jack Mayer. Once you get those two back, you know, one being your starting left back in Lovitz, but Jack Mayer has really come onto the scene to give you some legitimate, you know, backup minutes as a third center back in a back three. He can also fill in in a back four, as we've seen before, and he scored a goal already. Um, And so once you get those guys back, once we see perhaps more starts from Brian Anunga in central midfield, to give Dax a break sometimes. And of course he's filling in for Anibal Godoy with that hamstring injury. And so once you get those guys back, once you see uh, the true versatility of this team, but also it's depth, which was the biggest, uh, shall we say motif in the off season was building this squad, not to just be top heavy, not to have all the big names in the starting 11, but to have a squad, right? Squad depth not starting depth. And that's what they've done. Brian Anuga has come in. Matt LaGrasa has come and, and given you some good minutes. I will say it was a little bit shaky against FC Cincinnati, although it was a 3-0 win. You had Dylan Nealis on the right side at the wingback position. You had Taylor Washington on the left. The only times that I saw Gary Smith get off of his seat was when something happened between Dylan or Taylor. There was something defensively, the way they handled pressure, especially in the beginning of that match. I wasn't convinced that they can come in and feel for a Dan Lubitz or an Alex Muil or an Alistair Johnson, of course, when he comes back from international duty. Obviously, Canada is in the Gold Cup semifinals right now. They'll be going up against Mexico later this week. So uh, it, it's likely that he will not be back at least 
uh, probably maybe sometime next week when you go up against New England in the middle of the week. So uh, I, I, I think the short answer is yes, I believe that this form of a level of success can be sustained if you are considering more draws than wins and possibly a loss or two. And you had a prediction in your mailbag about the next three-game road stand. I believe you said four points in three games. Yes, I think it's going to be a one-one-and-one. One. I think you're going to beat if if you're Nashville FC. I think you beat uh, Toronto FC in your first time in the North, right? In Dude, Toronto, that part. on yeah. Canadian soil, it's your first time as an MLS team playing on the road in Canada. But I still think that you take advantage of the league's worst defensive team, a third, a whopping 32 goals conceded this year. Albeit with the new manager, with, with without their their previous manager, of sure, course. Chris, sure, Chris Armas is gone, but how much of an effect will that have on a team that's been completely disorganized so far defensively? I, I think Nashville is going to find that out. It's simply if you have a team that plays games. better – in def- on, on set pieces and that plays better in the attack in third. I don't think that you have to be stressing about playing another 3-2 win. I think you can go in there and get a 1-0. I think you can go in there and get a 2-1. All right, Drake Hills. Question number two in the mailbag from Tracy Edwards. Drake, do you think that Gary Smith might try to integrate Ake Loba into the current trio of attackers and play with four attackers up front? Maybe when, maybe when Walker Zimmerman returns and the back line is stable? Yeah, I'm not quite sure what type of formation that is. I mean, maybe if I'm playing FIFA and I'm playing like a like a 4 or something like that, you know, if I'm, if I'm playing like my career, uh, it, what, what does that look like when you talk about um, if you go back to a back four, you've got assuming everyone's healthy and everyone's back and everyone's 100%. You've got a Dan Lovitz. You've got – Dave Romney, Walker Zimmerman, Alistair Johnson is your four. Obviously, Dax McCarty, Anibal Godoy in the two in midfield. So you've got Liao, you've got Mukhtar, you've got Sapong, you've got Loba. You've got basically uh, two center forwards, a number 10, and an out-and-out winger. That, that, that's hard to – that wouldn't look good by Gary Smith standards. So, no, I think someone either has to come out or you have to switch it up. Uh, perhaps, obviously, Nick Gray, we've talked off air about my preferred lineup for this team, and I'll read it to you guys for those listeners who are not privy to this very, very important text chain between Nick Gray and I. So basically, in my preferred National C starting 11, I've got a back three. It's a 3-5-2. Uh, in a way, it's sort of like a diamond or, or, or allows Hani Mukhtar to be an advanced piece in that five-man midfield. So Willis and goal, you've got Alistair Johnson, Walker Zimmerman, Dave Romney. Those are your, your, your three defenders. Then out right, you've got Randall Leal. In the middle, you've got Anibal Godoy and Dax McCarty. Out left, you've got Dan Lovitz. Left wing, got Dan Lovitz. Then, you you go. got, then you've got Hani Mukhtar as your fifth, who will be a little bit advanced ahead of the previous four. And then you've got CJ Sapong and Ake Loba up front as your two-striker system. My only question about that that, you, that I had about that that I didn't ask you, is that kind of limiting the impact of Randall Yall, especially, you know, I, I know 
often that Nashville sees best attacking moments come after a buildup and, and crosses in. But isn't that kind of getting – not getting rid of, but kind of limiting the opportunity for Randall more direct? I would only assume that becomes a problem if you were expecting uh, Alistair Johnston to play some for, some form of role offensively. Uh, we've seen Alistair Johnston make significant improvement in his service into the box. We've seen him play some great passes that that are not necessarily key passes, but they're the pass before the key pass. And yes, so he has the ability to do that. But when you have someone like Randall Leal, I think you need to give him the freedom. You see what happened in the past few matches where Gary Smith has played the 3-4-3. And in turn, you see someone like Randall Leal, who's been given an opportunity to tuck in centrally, and then he bounces out. Uh, sometimes he flips with Alex Mouille in that 3-4-3, uh, or not, not Alex Mouille, excuse me, Hani Mukhtar. Um, and obviously defensively, that 3-4-3 looks more of like a 3-5-2. But I think that essentially this is what I'm saying right now. I think this is more of the defensive shape, maybe when you start off out of possession. But once you go into possession, I think it looks more of a 3-4-3. And potentially you see Dan Lovitz going back uh, maybe to help out more defensively. And you see Leal Godoy um, – excuse me, not Leal Godoy. You see Godoy, McCarty – and Lovitz be kind of like your middle, and you allow Liao um, to kind of hover on that right-hand side, and maybe he's tucked in to help out Mukhtar. Maybe he's advanced all the way up to help out Sapong and Loba to be a front three. Uh, it's a tricky situation because one guy is going to have to leave, whether it's Alex Mouille or it's Randall Liao, because right now, Hadi Mukhtar is a blazing. Uh, Dax McCarty has done well. He's been versatile against Columbus Crew. We obviously know uh, we saw Dax McCarty do some defensive work as a center back. So, yeah, I, I, I think that this is the best option as of right now. Um, and that's Drake Hill is a big fan of the 3-4-3. Three, three. That, I, I, you know, 3-4-3, three, 3-5-2. Three, three, Rightly so, yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But the reality is you can't just have somebody like Aki Loba on the bench. Um, and I fully expect him to – it's going to be a lot of games possibly before he does make his start, but I fully expect by the time we get done with August, he will have made his first start for Nash Vesey. Speaking of a new, well, relatively new attacking player for Nashville SC, this comes from a question from Reddit from Mr. Old Boot. He's Gotta love Reddit names, man. Reddit yeah. names are a little too ambiguous for me. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> so Mr. Old Boot asks, I'm wondering about integrating Rodrigo Pinheiro. How has he looked in practice, et cetera? He also asked in a second question, when when does Nashville SC get Anibal Godoy, Walker Zimmerman, Alistair Johnson, and Daniel Lovitz back, which you kind of addressed already earlier? Yeah, so in terms of, of Lovitz and Mayer, which are the two that are in the health protocols, those two obviously were, were considered uh, unavailable last week. Uh, we're recording this on July 27th. They were reported on July 20th. Now, has there perhaps been a delay, given the fact that maybe Nashville C didn't announce it for a couple of days, which they often do? Um, you know, that gives you an extra couple of days to speculate as a supporter. For us, we won't speculate. But just doing the math, that pretty much puts you into the middle, if not the end of this three-match road stint. Uh, obviously, that, that final match is against Inter-Miami on the road. 
down there in Fort Lauderdale. So uh, we'll, we'll see if, if those guys will be available then. Now, keep in mind, if they were not vaccinated and they were symptomatic, that requires a five-day quarantine period. If they were vaccinated and they appear asymptomatic, the key word is and, not or, and they were asymptomatic, then the five-day quarantine uh, is not necessary. However, players, according to MLS health and safety protocols, are required to train individually at that point if you are confirmed positive for COVID-19. So you're talking about fitness. You're talking about uh, being able to reemerge into the team as a starter. Obviously, there there have been a lot of changes technically in this team. Are they privy to that knowledge? Are they, shall we say, caught up uh, with what's going on with the general team? And this is a tough, tough road stint to kind of get back into. And it's not even just for Lovitz and for Mayer. I mean, if you, he also asked about Walker Zimmerman, a, a deep tissue injury like a hamstring isn't really the most comfortable to return from because you're not really on your own clock. You're trying to get back and basically wait for your hamstring to tell you that you're back. Yeah. You're listening to your body a lot there. Listening to your body a lot. So uh, Same with Donnie Ball Godoy as well, correct? Yes, that's correct. However, we know more about Godoy. Uh, there was not a timetable given by club or for country with Walker Zimmerman. Obviously, he he hurt his hamstring against that against Canada in that in that um, group stage match in the Gold Cup. So he was on international duty just as Godoy was, but Godoy had yet to kick a ball for Panama in the group stage when he hurt his hamstring. That was about three weeks ago. So going into next week, there's a potential that he could be back. We know that the timetable for Anibal Godoy was four to six weeks. So with that in mind, the math tells us that perhaps at the end of this road stint, uh, when, when you come back home, and you you got you mean I think if you're Nashville, uh, you you hope that you can catch a break um, after you go to Miami, and that's on the eighth because then you have a whole week uh, to really recuperate. Uh, after going to Miami, you're going to get DC United at home on the fifteenth. So that gives you a full week from match to match to pretty much get your cars together. Yeah. So no timetable on Walker Zimmerman, but. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, as you say, Tracy. We'll see what happens when Walker Zimmerman, or excuse me, old boot. Um, we'll see what happens when when Walker comes back into the fold. So, give me something on Rodrigo Pinheiro. What do you expect for him the rest of the year? Well, I mean, I think it's it's something that I don't think supporters have caught on to yet, which is the fact that there are wingers better than Rodrigo Pinheiro. Period. I mean, for me, I kind of jumped off that. When I asked the question a couple of weeks ago and Gary Smith said, you know, I've obviously addressed this a couple of times before. I love the guy. I like what he offers. He gives us a a form of direct play, dribbling, his attacking mindset that we don't really have. uh, And someone who can simply just, you know, coast by you if he if he is obviously if he has the advantage to. Um, And he can play off of others. Now, does that necessarily make him better than Anaki Lobo or Alex Muil? Not necessarily. People have been asking about Hanwala Buana. It's the same situation. We saw what happened 
when Handwalla came in against New England a couple of months back. Uh, he's simply not the same defensive guy that Alex Muell is. And in a Gary Smith system where that's the 4-2-3-1 or the 4-4-2, he requires a lot of his wingers to play both sides of the ball, using an American football phrase. So, I mean, it's it's competition. It's it's not it's not deep. I don't I don't it's you know, that's that's as best as I can give you, man. If 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 you're not understanding of what competition is like, then you're just going to be confused because you're not going to see guys because they're simply just guys better than them. So you say that. And I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense. So what is the next step for for Pinheiro? If he, say, has 10 or 12 games where he plays 400 minutes, if that probably less than that, if he's getting 10 or 12 appearances off the bench this season, is there does there have to be a loan move in the future for him, you think? I think at right now, although I sit in the mailbag that it is a possibility, of course, I'm sure people who once they see a bit of bit more of Rodrigo um, play a little bit more this summer, that there could be somebody who wants to give him an offer. I don't think that that's an MLS side. Yeah. And so when you talk about loaning someone out of Nashville to an, to a USL side, that just defeats the purpose of cultural acclimation that defeats the purpose of personal acclimation, a guy who's pretty much never played outside of his country of Uruguay. And that essentially just stalls you into next year, which doesn't really make much sense considering the money that you flushed out, whether that's TAM um, or, or, or GAM or whatever, or whatever. So um, the best option for Rodrigo is to continue earning minutes. He's got to get on the field, but I don't think that that has to be a start. I think if he can, be a guy who you can count on for a good 15 to 20 minutes in a match. So be it, you know, coming for Alex Muell, coming for Randall Leal, try, try to thread some attacking chances together and, and see if you can score a goal or two. Um, but it just looks right now with this group, it doesn't seem with the level of his play, which is by Gary Smith's standards, lacking MLS experience, the pace of the game, the style of the game, which is a lot more physical a lot more fast paced. Rodrigo said that uh, on on a on a press conference before, and on top of that, he's got a language barrier that he's got to that he's got to attend to. Living in Nashville, um, keep in mind the guy's only twenty two. Yeah, you know, plenty, this, of, plenty of time for him to grow. This isn't a thirty year old pro. This is a guy right. who's been in in recent years who's been in the Uruguay youth national team setup. He's, he hasn't been playing in Brazil or in Spain or somewhere else in Europe. This guy is literally on his first international excursion ever. So let's give the guy some time and, you know, rightfully so, because he's a talented player. He just needs to acclimate. All right. Next question from the Donaldson party on Reddit. Who do you think the current leader is for MLS coach of the year? If it's not Gary Smith, who would be ahead of him? I mean, how could you not give it to Bruce Arena? Oh, who who loves giving Bruce Arena trophies more so than the American soccer media? Let me tell you. Oh well, let's not let's not put me in the in the <laughs> Team USA wearing American flag uh, board shorts and uh, literally buying every single American soccer jersey that is in existence. Uh, that's not me. That's not the reason why I give it to him. I'm giving it to him, or at least I'm bringing him up to say that he's a guy who's taken a team 
that has taken guys like Maciel, uh, Matt Polster. I'm a bit unsure of his 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 vision of Tejon Buchanan. I think he should be playing a little bit higher up the field. But he's taken a guy like Matt Polster, made him one of the best center mid, central midfielders in the league, uh, performance-wise. Maciel has done pretty well. You've got Carlos Hill absolutely tearing up the league and should be the Landon Donovan MLS MVP for this season. Yes, that's my take. I'm um, still holding on to Raul Rui Diaz because he is my I'll give I'll, pick. give I'll give Ru, Rui Diaz the golden boot. That's fine. I think he'll that's beat bad. out I think he'll beat out Chicharito by a goal or two. Uh, but Carlos Hill is the Landon Donovan MLS MVP. And Bruce Arena is a candidate for coach of the year. Oh, come on. We, we can't play in gray areas here. I'll if say you had to put a name down today. Who would it be? He said, who do you think the current leader is? That was the question. And you didn't give an answer. I, I gave Bruce Arena. What are you talking about? As, as an option. You just said Bruce Arena as an option. I said Not he's here. a candidate. If you want he me to be more candidate. specific, so if you want, to be, I want if you you to be more, more specific, yes, I, do. I do. He is a Go leading ahead. candidate. That is the direct answer to this very direct okay. question. Okay. He Over is the Gary leading Smith. candidate. He is ahead of Gary Smith in your thought process when it comes to who should be MLS Coach of the Year at this point. Yes. Okay. I disagree with you, but I think it is close. I I, I told I, I can understand the Bruce Arena. I mean, New England is a, a good bit. Look, head I'm not of seeing, Nashville I'm not. in the Eastern Conference. I also think Gary Smith is a guy. This whole the whole vision of Nashville SC comes from almost certainly comes straight from the brain and the soccer acumen of Gary Smith. It's 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 his team, it's his style, and you know I know Mike Jacobs has input and there, there's other inputs in there, but this is a Gary Smith team and has really surprised people. And I think. Does he deserve it over Bruce Arena? That that's a question. That's, that's not. A, that's see, a question. This is this is this is this is the weeds that I knew that you who are who is representing Nashville faithful are going to get into, thinking that I am not picking Gary Smith because he is undeserving. That is a very reckless. Oh, okay. Take. Okay. Not only is it reckless, it is lazy because you didn't ask me what I thought about Gary Smith. What do you think about Gary Smith's 2021 coaching? I think Gary, I think Gary Smith has defined what execution looks like in terms of game-to-game tactics, which is something we knew going back to last year. I think he gets the best out of players who are kind of on the fence, who are not proven MLS players, who either are young and coming into the league from college or from academies, or are coming in – through uh, the USL, i.e. Brian Anunga. I think he's helped develop Brian Anunga to a T. He's made Brian Anunga an up-and-coming starting central midfielder in MLS. I'm not saying he is at the moment, but I'm saying that is his trajectory. And I will say that he has uh, helped guys like an Alistair Johnston coming in from Wake Forest. Obviously, a lot of that credit goes to Alistair for developing and taking advantage of the the start and stop season last year. Um, so I think that's that's some of the things that Gary Smith has done. And you can't sit here and tell me that the performance at Columbus, uh, performances at Atlanta, very good. Yes. Yes. being willing to change up his 4-2-3-1 shape to beat New England in May. You know, you've got 
a very well timely switch to a 3-4-3 to go up against one of the better teams in the conference in Philadelphia Union and scarve out a 1-0 victory. Um, and he's allowed guys like Leal and Mukhtar, he said this, and also CJ has said this, he's given them freedom. He's given them freedom to connect and imagine and play in a way that's a little bit more exploratory. And that's credit to Gary for allowing that to happen, but also for the players to, to execute. And I think they, they knew what they were up against. So this, this is not for me to say, look, Gary Smith is undeserving. Okay. And I would argue if Bruce Arena's name wasn't Bruce Arena, I bet you that people would be willing to vote a for Nick Gray, manager of new England revolution. If people didn't take into account Bruce Arena's history, which I am not, you know why? Why is that? Because I don't get high and I don't get low. <laughs> okay, I stay even. I'll I mention two even. other names. I'll mention two other names in this group. I think uh, at least some. You gonna say Brian Spencer? No. I, I, t- two names I would like to mention: Wilfred Nancy, okay. CF Montreal, okay. who comes in, who comes in in March of this year, has a quick turnaround through the preseason, and Montreal looked has has looked better. They've they kind of. Had some uneven results in the last few weeks, but I think Montreal has been a lot better, and that's that's a big part of that. And Robin Frazier, of course. Um, Absolutely. Colorado, Colorado Rapids. Rapids, Colorado Rapids uh, who just Robin acquired. Frazier, yeah, who just acquired Mark Mark Anthony K from yes. LAFC for I think one million a in GAM. Bunch plus, of GAM. Plus, I think some draft picks are going to Colorado as well. I believe a twenty twenty two first rounder in the super draft. I saw. That's that's correct. Along with some other things. So that's a serious big thing. You guys have really uh, enjoyed. Yeah. Mark Anthony Kay, I mean, that guy, I mean, he's obviously done well at international level with Canada. Um, and then on top of that, he's he's done well in pretty much dominating midfields for LAFC over the past few years. Uh, that's going to be great quality. Um, he's going to be – he's literally going to go from a rising leader in LAFC's camp to probably one of the vocal leaders – in Colorado, given the fact that they're such a young team, uh, they've got a they've got uh, young Andre, a name that I do not know how to pronounce, uh, coming out of uh, one of their strikers. I believe it's the 2019 Rookie of the Year. Then you've got Sam Vines, obviously, and a couple of other good players around him. Kellen Acosta, who's on international break right now with the U.S., but to think that Mark Anthony K. and Kellen Acosta are going to be in the same midfield for Colorado, woo! That put that vaults them into definitely one of the better midfields in MLS. All right, next question from Darth Gipper eighteen. I'd like to see some con- kind of con- conversation about Yonder's loan place on the team usage this season. I know we ju- we have addressed this throughout a couple of questions, but anything else you want to add on Yonder Cadiz's uh, place in the team right now? I know. I, we were talking off air. I wasn't a big fan of what he did off the bench in the last couple of outings, especially the one against Columbus. Uh, I thought he was not engaged. Not he. He wasn't like not giving hundred percent, but I don't think he was fully engaged in in being a guy that could go get the 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 game winning goal. And when you're a forward a, coming off the bench in a scoreless game. I mean, like, that's got to be your mentality. I didn't see that from him. What do you think about Yonder Cadiz right now? Yeah, I'm a little questionable of Yonder Cadiz, uh, given the fact that 
I'm starting to feel that the Copa America and being called up to the Venezuelan national team was obviously in hindsight, people are going to say, yeah, of course you're going to say that because they were exposed to COVID and then sit in a hotel uh, for a week on end. But I will say that for someone who's in the middle of a career, shall we say, gamble, I'm not quite sure what the Copa America could have done. And it, even if he had an outstanding tournament, you know, of course, that might have done well, let's say, after his loan was done, assuming that he knew he was going to stay in Nashville going into the Copa America. Now, unless you can say you can guarantee that or know that, you know, European clubs and especially your parent club in Benfica are going to come out and watch you. For sure. I mean, you you, could, you know, Dazzle maybe score three to five goals there um, and prove to Benfica that you're worthy of coming back at, at the end of the year. But for someone who didn't really have the most consistent performance going into the international break, or shall I say Copa America to be specific, I'm not quite sure how comfortable I would have been knowing that not only are others who are respond who, who have a say so in my career trajectory right now, but also myself, am I fully confident in what I've done on the field, what the actual product that I put up? He had a really good start to the season once he was able to get rid of those preseason injuries that we know about. Obviously, he had some foot injuries. I believe he had an ankle injuries uh, going into preseason. So he didn't even play in the two games that Nashville C played in the preseason. And obviously, he scored some pretty timely goals against Montreal earlier in the year. Um, he was literally one of the best creators in May, I think, for Nashville SC. He showed his ability to not only just be a poacher, have someone who can hold up play, but he can bounce out wide and he can show you that he can chase down a ball that's been played behind the defense and he can go one-on-one. -on -one. I talked about May, obviously going back to the Austin FC match. You know, that goal that Randall Leal scored came from Jean Cuddy's. And so – you see bits and pieces, but he didn't put together a consistent body of work. So thinking about Copa America, although that was a great opportunity, a great honor, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think if he would have stayed around, you don't know if he would have been able to link up with CJ Sapong for a 4-4-2 shape to see what that looked like, um, to see would they even work together. Would CJ Sepong be on this tier that he is right now? You never know. Obviously, CJ has the MLS experience. He's, he's scored 70-plus goals coming into the team. Now he's reaching towards 80 in his career after scoring three in his last three. So right now, I think Jondra's loan is basically an inevitable exit in the winter. I don't see unless he you know bounces back and – Somehow in the next couple of months, scores three to four goals. He goes in October, scores some goals. He scores some playoff goals as well, which Nashville's going to need once they start talking about going to Columbus potentially, uh, going to New England for a conference semifinal potentially, or a conference final, excuse me. Or hosting um, Philadelphia for that matter, yeah. Yeah. It'll be difficult. Or, yeah, exactly. So you're going to need goals from everybody. Um, and for John Ducatis, I mean, if you can't bag him right now, uh, I'm not quite sure how you could logically defend Jander being signed permanently. Okay, next question. Give me Milserp on Reddit. 
Yeah, it's kind of I, said that, I, right. I was a little uncomfortable uh, putting this name in 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 the podcast. Yeah. Look, I, I don't mean any disrespect if that's your last name. I apologize. But <laughs> the give me the give me part is what's throwing me off, sir. Man. Yeah, it is. It is. So, it is. So who would you say is the MVP of the team so far this year? Give me Millsurp asks. Okay, so I just want to clarify that uh, Give Me Millsurp claimed on Reddit, he said or she said, they said that Randall Leal is yeah. the team MVP. And I, only I'm betting you have a different wait, answer. Wait, 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 wait. And that is at the expense of expected inconsistencies with Hani Mukhtar and his oh. appearances throughout the rest of the year. Oh, I, what do you think about that? I, I can I, understand I, where he's coming. I don't know. I can understand where they're coming from here, considering that uh, Hani has obviously started off pretty decent to begin the year. Pretty and then, decent. And then yeah. once, once the end of May came, I was a little, uh, and then, at the very end of May, he literally saves Nashville from a 2-0 loss at Atlanta in the largest crowd that they played in front of all year. So, um, and then, of course, he has an okay uh, June, I think, and then he, you know, obviously this month he's just gone on a tear. So, honey, he's a guy who I think is starting to grow out of that you know, new to MLS, new to America, uh, new to the way folks do with business around here, growth spurt. And I think he's fully grown to being an MLS player now. Um, and credit to him for all the work he's done behind the scenes to basically be a professional, regardless of wherever you go. So I will say that I will not count out Hani Mukhtar. And I will say that a sleeper will be CJ Sapone. Sure. Starting to come up, especially with his production and putting I think CJ Sapong. I think CJ Sapong gets the 10 goals before any other Nashville C player. I was about to say it would not surprise me to see him lead the team in goals by the end of the season. Connie, um, Connie is obviously in front. He's with seven. Yeah. CJ's got five. Oh yeah. That's going not gonna be hard for him to catch up. We're going into a very tough end of summer so remains to be seen will be very interesting and i do hope though that hani mutar rightfully earns an all-star bird uh, all-star nod it's got to be him or randall yeah it's yeah. got to be i I, would, I personally in 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 the span and looking back on june i voted for randall to get into the mls all-star team is that you same change thing? that now I would potentially change that to Ani Mukhtar. Yeah. And I would okay. have more confidence in that. Totally understood. And, and both, you know, both of those things are understood back then and in now. And Cam Pratt has our next question, which he wants to know about a stadium construction update. Uh, I don't know much about what the status of the stadium is right now. I know it's being built. Every time you drive past that area on the interstate, you can – See a little bit more of it. What do you? What do you? What's? What do you got for us for a stadium construction update? Well, Nick Gray, there is an official update. However, as you can basically go on the calendar that's been given to us by the club, 
Uh, you're looking at the canopy being finalized. Obviously, that roofing, which is which is basically going to surround the stadium, that rectangular shape. That's what's going up right now. Um, and if you drive in Wedgwood, Houston area, you will be able to see it. Um, basically, it's almost done. And so at this point, they're probably going to start filling in the decks where you're going to start seeing it go. You know, it's just going to get taller and taller. Right. And you're going to start seeing decks being established, the beams that are going to support those decks being established. Uh, and from what I've seen, you're going to start seeing some of the more boxes and some of the seats and the and the lodges. You're going to see starting you're going to start seeing the skeletons of those things come up in the next few months, I would say, probably in the next three to five months. So um, the skeleton is practically done. It's going to probably start adding meat to the bones very soon. I'm sure everybody that is listening to this is a big enough Nashville SC fan to know the timeline of the end to where this stadium is going to be built. But make sure that everybody knows here, when is this stadium expected to be completed by? It's going to be in mid-May 2022. And I actually was talking to Gentry Estes about this, our great sports columnist. Who who had did, a great column about Hani Mutar. Did indeed weekend. write a great column about the rise in stock of Hani Mukhtar, his tag is getting larger and larger. And it seems the trajectory that he's in right now is going to be uh, all about a move back to Europe. A German, inter German international who, of course, came in from Denmark, had a bit of a good end to the year after struggling for the first couple of, couple of months to really assert himself as the number one DP and as the number 10. Now, a move back to Germany doesn't look so far into the distance. Uh, of course, I think Hani has a little bit more to do. I think he has to assert himself more as far as goals scored. Um, but if he can score, let's say, 15 goals this year, if he can score 10, 10 to 15, I think you set yourself up for a good 2022 season in which he might leave after the first half. There's, there's potential in that. You just don't know. All right. Our next question in the mailbag from Zach DeFran. How close is Nashville SC to having a functioning and developing academy? Uh, they're a little ways away. I think there's going to be a couple of years in the stadium before you see anything about a potential homegrown, considering the fact that obviously last year in 2020, you start with fielding a under-12 team that was around the generation Adidas Cup uh, and some of the other MLS next competitions that have fled into this year uh, with the U13 team and obviously as they grow into U14 and U15. So unless they have some American prodigy that is ready by U16, I think we're a ways away. As a matter of fact, I would say you're probably looking at a 2026 World Cup potentially in Nashville uh, coming before an MLS homegrown out of the Nashville SC Academy comes out, or they might come at the same time. Is that unusual, you think, for, for clubs to take that long in developing no, that? No, because if you take a look at a team like Philadelphia Union, when they came in uh, a little over a decade ago, you know, they weren't signing a lot of DPs. Like, they weren't signing big-name European DPs. They were signing guys who were obviously proven MLS players. They had some guys who were coming from you know, Mexico or something like that, or U.S. internationals coming back to MLS. 
you know, obviously someone like Ali Bodoya coming in from FC Nantes in, Fr- in Ligue 1 in French, in France. <laughs> uh, he speaks French. But, you know, coming in, allowing him to be a DP as opposed to trying to get a young South American starlet out of the, you know, Boca Juniors River Plate. Um, you know, I think the way Philadelphia did their business, they allowed to take time. They found a way to still hang on, not being an absolutely abysmal team uh, and still being competitive at the senior level, but being patient with growing not only players that we know like the Aronson brothers, but also getting a guy like Mark McKenzie to come in from New York. He comes in and is an, as a fellow union player. And obviously now he's in Belgium. Now they sold him off. So you've got one Aronson brother playing at RB Salzburg in Austria. Then you've got Mark McKenzie and playing for Gank in Belgium, two players who are definitely in the U S men's national team pool. Um, and obviously Paxton Aronson has come in to fill in his older brother, Brendan shoes. And he's probably going to be the next homegrown that has a chance to flourish and, and spark in MLS over the next couple of years. And we'll see if he jumps ship um, in a positive way and is able to sign uh, for a big European club. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where Nashville is. I think they're in no rush to, to find homegrowns. And Mike Jacobs, of course, wants to use the homegrown model, but he said multiple times, as general manager, look, we have to make sure that we are utilizing the draft to the best of our abilities, whether that's using picks to get GAM or actually bringing in new young talent. They've done well in getting Alistair Johnson and Jack Mayer. Obviously, they're pretty high on Elliot, Elliot Panico, who's currently on loan right now, but that's because you know he's a goalkeeper and Joe Willis has shown no signs of inconsistency. So with, with the academy, I, I don't think anyone should – Put any pressure on it i think you should just let it grow naturally i mean let's be honest here if you're second in the east in your second year in the league or you're one and a half year in the league you're doing pretty good <laughs> and you still got money to spend i think so yeah no you're right on the money there next question i kind of took from ben dudley that's my apology if i would have seen that and looked on our list a little earlier I would have not asked this earlier in the episode. What's the likelihood of Lolly going on loan to give him minutes? I asked that already, and you answered that you didn't think that that would be an option in the next six months or so, but we'll see what happens at the top of 2022. Am I I misrepresenting your comments there? No. Let me just put in a per my last email and keep it moving. All right. Final question, my favorite question on here, from Ten Timber. Would you rather fight a haunting Mukhtar-sized squirrel or 12 squirrel-sized haunting Mukhtars? Yeah, see, the immediate thing that comes to mind, now this is very MLS humor, so I'm having to, I'm having to readjust my logic here. Uh, but <laughs> this is funny because <laughs> haunting Mukhtar has become very adamant, uh, not adamant, shall I say, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Animated, animated, not adamant, animated. Hani Mukhtar has become a very animated individual when it comes to drawing fouls in games as of late. And he's got the same, he's got the same pose. I think that's funny because we caught it in the Miami game. We caught him kind of like 
legs out straight in front of him and have his, his hands, you know, kind of like shrugging his shoulders with his hands, like, where's the foul at? You know, sitting on the floor. And he's begging to the ref, like, where's the foul? And he's done that more times than not. And uh, angry Hani Mukhtar, he speaks German, he speaks English. I believe he might even speak a little Danish. He might even he he might be able to speak some other languages. We're still trying to uncover all the secrets here, but he's good. He's a guy who'll bark at you. He's he's had some some animated moments on the field. So if I'm gonna go and be like, ah, a honey Mukhtar sized squirrel, not not about it. Nah, not about that. I'll deal I'll deal with twelve squirrel sized honey Mukhtars. You gotta watch out for the dribbles. You sure. gotta watch out for the free kicks because you don't know whether is he going high, is he going low, is he going side? You don't know. Is this is so? Is this squirrel? Is this squirrel that is hunting Mukhtar size? Is he as fast as a squirrel, or is he as fast as hunting Mukhtar? That's a big question. That's a me. big question. But I don't want a squirrel. I don't want a Hani Mukhtar size squirrel barking at me. No, about that would not be – no, yeah, that would not be the other – yeah, no, I wouldn't want you that either. A German, you imagine a German-speaking squirrel? <laughs> sure, there's a cartoon out there somewhere that has had a, a German-speaking squirrel, but I don't know about a six-foot-tall German-speaking squirrel. Well, Hanimutar is not six, six foot. He's, he's well, probably around 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, 5'8", five, 5'9", five-foot-9-inch five, uh, five squirrel. Yeah, that's that's still that's still not happening not, for me. Not happening. I will but say I, though that this question is included, given the fact that it had the most favorites in retweets. There you go. So and I would I would go with the honey mutar size squirrel only because it'd be easier to trap one squirrel compared to twelve squirrel size honey mutars. Well, there's a, if you're playing a game of footy, yeah, eleven eleven the eleven. You've got eleven honey mutar squirrels. With another ready to come off the bench, right? That's that is also a challenge. That is, but uh, easy to score against. I feel like they might score a lot against you, but easy to score against. Yeah, it'll be the American sports fans' favorite game of soccer. I have one. There's one more question left in the mailbag, and it's from at Nick underscore Gray. Oh he asks, my goodness! Don't waste my time. What what do you think the final score is going to be for Toronto FC hosting Nashville SC on Sunday? 2-1 Nashville, Toronto gets a consolation goal at the end. So he, here's why I think Toronto might actually get a result here. Number one, different manager, different situation about who's calling the shots and who's calling. You are game. thinking that he will pick up all the pieces. I, I'm not saying that. Nowhere. I will say this, though. A team finally getting to play at home. A team that has already beaten Columbus in neutral, you know, in a neutral stadium, aka away from Columbus, that has shown the ability to when they're not playing on the road, they can possibly get a result. And this is a team that should have gotten a victory out of a game in Nashville not too long ago. So I'm going to flip it for you. I'm going to say it's going to be not a discouraging result for Nashville SC, not a discouraging effort from Nashville SC, but I do think there is a possibility here and a likelihood in my eyes that after a strong July, 
maybe there is a road hiccup and Nashville SC falls two to one in Toronto. Now, I also think that that would would reciprocate a a real response at New England and at Miami, but I do think that one of these next two games will be a setback for Nashville. So you just can't play this well. They're not going to get through the entire MLS season with just one loss. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think this is a ripe opportunity for some team to beat them. You know what, Nick Ray, you've got a lot of faith in this Toronto FC team to just all of a sudden. I'm just looking for one game. I'm not saying they're going to win the MLS Cup. I'm just saying one game, they're at home. We'll see. We'll see what has to happen. The problem is Nashville FC is not in the form of, let's say, Portland Timbers and LA Galaxy who have gotten as of late. Uh, Especially, I believe, LA Galaxy, I think they dropped a 4-0 loss to FC Dallas after beating them earlier this month. I could sure. be wrong. It could have been Portland Timbers who had – no, it was LA Galaxy. But Portland Timbers has also had a couple of interesting results themselves. National C, yes, they're unbeaten. And I don't think that Toronto FC, even though they are at home, and it will probably be much more difficult. But, again, they have an interim manager, Javier Perez, who's been an assistant for the past – well, this is his first year as an assistant with Toronto – He's been with NYCFC uh, under the Dominic Torrent uh, leadership, I believe, going up until 2020 when they had uh, Ronnie Dela come in. But before that, he's been with the national team. He's been with the youth national team in the U.S. Um, he's even coached in Real Madrid's youth academy. So, look, that sounds all great and fine and dandy, but look – I don't think that he is going to be able to just simply pick up all the pieces and find a way to beat arguably the one of the top two, if not top three hottest teams in the league, and that is Nashville SC. That's fair, and I know you're talking about picking up all. He don't have he doesn't have to pick up all the pieces. I'm just to win to win to win. You have to be to win at home against a team that has shown. It will play down to competition from time to time. Now, it didn't against Chicago and Cincinnati. I I also think that Chicago and Cincinnati are probably the two easiest teams to mentally break down. So it's easy for them to to struggle. And when they struggle, things get bad. Toronto on paper is certainly more talented than a Cincinnati or a Chicago. However – when you talk about picking up pieces, you're still talking about winning a game. That is a lot more difficult than what you are giving it credit for. I don't care if you are playing in Brampton, Ontario, and Jonathan Osorio's backyard, <laughs> or playing in Tampa, or Orlando, Florida, or wherever they were. Okay. Yeah. You're still playing a team that is very hot knows exactly what it's doing, whose job is it to do who, whose job is to score, whose job is it to line up here, whose job is to serve into the box. They know who they are. And I don't think that Toronto is in the place to just start knocking off teams off their perch. I think it's going to take a big challenge from someone like a New England Revolution in Gillette Stadium in the middle of August on that disgusting turf. 
<laughs> to to give Nashville FC some problems. Um, and also given the fact that that game is only three days after they come back from Canada. Four, a four-game, a four-match unbeaten streak for Toronto so far, which extends back to uh, the the loss of their manager, well, the firing of their manager. And you just uh, say his name, Chris Armas. Chris Armas. Chris Armas, yeah. He completely botched it. Struggled big time. But they beat New England. They've drawn against uh, New York Red Bulls and Orlando, and they've beaten Chicago away from home. I'm just saying it would not surprise me that this is a vulnerable spot. But I think Drake Hills FC, you're ready to wrap this thing up. All all those teams are are less than Nashville right now. That's true. No, no argument here. Nick Gray, this has been the mailbag, sir. It has been a mailbag. It's empty now. Gotta get it filled back up again. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens when it when when we hit Labor Day. I think we're gonna do another mailbag around that time. Nashville C coming back home uh, for that NYCFC matchup. But until then, Nick Gray, Drake Hills, it has been plugged in a Nashville Soccer Podcast. Holla at your boy, Live Life Drake on Twitter, Drake Hills Soccer on Instagram. Tennessean.com slash Nashville SC. Please subscribe. Drake Hills, what was your favorite thing about Columbus? My Oh, yes, I did go to Columbus. My favorite thing was the proximity of the stadium to pretty much everything in the arena district, uh, which was quite nice. The Northwest Market, I believe is what it's called. Shout out to Jacob Myers at the Columbus Dispatch. And shout out to the Hilton downtown. Shout out to North Market. It's plugged in. Yes. Plugged in. Episode 9. We out. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.